0: to be in Aberdeen, we've only ever uh, just driven through. And uh, I think we, we met once at Starbucks, that's about it. So our experience um, with, your, with your town was minimal, uh, but have had the privilege of getting to know Pastor Doug and Lois over quite a few years and have fallen in love with them. Uh, as you probably are well, well aware, you have some amazing uh, lead pastors here. And um, yeah, give it up for them. And uh, if at any point you just begin to think differently, just go attend another church uh, for a service or two, and you'll come back with hugs and kisses. And uh, uh, they're just a different breed. They're really great uh, uh, friends with our, our senior pastors, Pastor Craig and Moni, uh, lots. Maybe you've met them. They've kind of been in before. Um, I've been at Victory Faith for 16 years, and um, we're just having a great time there. And uh, just, anyways, just love your city. We got the tour yesterday, got to cruise around and just see everything that's here. Uh, It's awesome. Had some great pizza and everything. So, and it's just a joy to see your facility. And uh, I know you've been on the journey this has unfolded over time but being able to be brand new and just look at everything that you've done the kids check in the greeters the way every it takes a it takes a whole village to be able to run church and you guys are killing it it looks awesome in here you are just first service was so great friendly church friendly people um and so anyway it's just an honor to be here um you'll see my family up here and um, i've been married for 20 this is our 20th year this year so that's awesome. And um, that's my wife, Heidi, not Heather. Um, and, um, and then Rayma is the, my oldest daughter, uh, then J- uh, Isaac, and then Destiny over on the far side, and then Justice, the little mini-me that's up there. And so if I was just to give you kind of a window of how, how you could get a snapshot, a Polaroid picture of who they are, uh, I describe my wife as the most loving person I've ever met, um, and she is just truly a gem. And so, you know, I laugh because if, if people have a problem with my wife, uh, people just have a problem. So if you if you if you don't like her, it's really it's you and it's not her. I mean, she's just one of those types of people. Me, I mean, take it or leave it, right? But um, so uh, she's amazing. And uh, but if I was to describe my kids, I, I put it like this in first service. If I was to take them all into a candy store. And just say, everybody, you get to choose one piece of candy. This would kind of give you a snapshot. Isaac, my oldest boy, would be the first one to choose. He's highly, highly competitive. He would grab his candy, he would choose it, and he would just begin to devour it, okay? Okay. Uh, Destiny, my uh, the, the, my young daughter on the side over there, she's our lawyer, and so when she hears one candy, she would then begin to debate with me uh, if one really means one, uh, and does one maybe mean two, or could one maybe mean three, and she's trying to negotiate, and I'm like, you should shut your mouth right now, you should be happy that I offered you one candy, you keep talking, it's going to be zero candies, okay, you feel me, you feel me, sister? Um, Justice would be the kid that would go to the back of the store, and he would find the five-pound gummy bear, right? (laughs) Technically, it's one candy, but it's it's 80 bucks, and uh, he has me over a barrel, and so with that smile, that killer smile, he's getting an $80 piece of candy. And then Rayma, our oldest, I I love her, but honestly, 30 minutes would go by, and she would still be praying and fasting as to which piece of candy to choose. (laughs) She does everything very, very slowly. Anyways, they're a joy. They're a delight. They're my life, my world. Um, uh, their first. I mean, Jesus is first. We know that. Um, but then family. Amen. So, all right. Some introductions. Let's dive into uh, the, the scripture this morning. Let's turn to the book of Mark, chapter four. Um, we're gonna pick it up in verse thirty-five. Very familiar passage of scripture. It says this. Says that day when evening came, he, being Jesus, said to the disciples. Let us go to the other side. So they're, they're, they're on the shore. They hop on the boat, and they're heading off to the other side of the lake. The crowd behind him leaving them, he took the disciples along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. And a furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. And the disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. And then James chapter 1 verses 2 to 4 says this. says, consider it pure joy. Everybody say pure joy. pure joy. Pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds because, you know, the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Now, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature, you may be complete, not lacking anything. You ever been a uh, Looking into a vacation and grabbed like a brochure or been, been to the onside, uh, the, the, the online website of some vacation destination. Maybe like this first picture that's going to come up on the screen, and 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 you see. You see this beautiful picture of just, look at this lazy river, and you're thinking to yourself, this is, this is the best. I mean, I'm taking my wife here. It's just going to be me and her, and we're just going to be floating with all of this space. It's going to be romantic. She's going to be in her, her, her bathing suit, and we're just going to be sun-kissed and floating and just sipping on some fruity little drink. And we're just going to cruise down the lazy river like this, right? It's beautiful, and, and it's, it's what they sell to you. But it's not reality. We all know that. How many of you ever been to a lazy river? Okay. The lazy river does not look like this. Okay. Never ever before on the planet of the earth has one looked like this. It looks more like the second picture that's going to come up. There you are. Right. You ever been to a lazy river? I mean, you are fighting with other adults just to get a tube. You've got to pull one away from some kid who's trying to pull up his shorts because they fell down, and you're running away with his tube, and he's crying and screaming, right? There is no space in the lazy river. Like, everybody's just squished up. There's nothing romantic. Kids are screaming, kicking, flailing, peeing in the water, I might add, right? I mean, this is nothing like the first picture at all. It's not the lazy river. It is the crazy river. And even if you do get a moment of peace, suddenly you feel some sharp pain against the side of your leg, and you realize some dude who didn't clip his toenails has just ripped your leg wide open. You have some open flesh wound as you're floating in the lazy river. It's nothing like the brochure. See, I think when we say yes to Jesus... We sign up and we think, wow, man, serving Jesus is gonna be like floating the lazy river. I'm just gonna hop on a tube and life's gonna be awesome. My marriage is gonna be so blessed. There's not gonna be storms. There's not gonna be problems. There's gonna be screaming kids. Nobody's peeing in the water. Come on, we're just gonna float through life. It's gonna be easy, breezy. Serving Jesus, He's just gonna magically take away all of life's problems. There's gonna be no difficulties. And a lot of people, when they say yes to Jesus, That's the brochure that they sign up for. But then a rude awakening happens. Life sets in. And we face problems and difficulties and obstacles and resistance from our enemy. We're living in the midst of a contradiction where our finances, according to the scripture, are supposed to be blessed. But look at your bank account. Your blank bank account would tell you that your finances are not blessed. And, and the wind and the waves are talking to us. We're living in the midst of that. And if we're not careful, here's what we think to ourselves. We think there's something wrong with me. Because I'm going through the things I'm going through, there must be something wrong with me. And we think everybody else has it better. Everybody's marriage is easier. It's a lie. It's not. Marriage is a lot of hard work. Everybody's raising their kids much better than you. Everybody's finances are better than yours. And we view it like there's something wrong with us. But what James is saying is he's saying, listen, I want you to understand something, that there is something called the testing of your faith. There is something called various, many different kinds of trials that you're going to face in life. I just want to let you know it's nothing that you've done wrong. It's just normal. It's just life, right? It's life. Like, serving Jesus, nobody said serving Jesus was going to be easy. And if you signed up for that, I apologize. It's not easy. It's easy to go the way of the world. It's easy to stay on the wide path. It's easy to give in to every selfish pleasure that you want. It is difficult to go on the narrow road and to follow Jesus. But there's a grace that can help us to do that. But listen to me. The things that you are facing, for the most part, it's not because... You've done something wrong. It's just the normal things of life that we have to navigate through. Like I remember but before having kids, I didn't know anything about kids. I had four of them. All I knew was how to make them, and I felt like I was pretty good at that. But other than that, I didn't know. I didn't know a thing about raising kids. And then I'm looking at my wife, and we're pulling our hair out, and we're like, our kids are broken. They don't sleep when we sleep. They don't eat what we want to feed them. When we tell them to clean the room, they don't clean the room. They just play. They're building Legos when they're supposed to be cleaning the room. When it's like, let's use our inside voices, okay? This is our restaurant voice, so you don't embarrass mom and dad to the whole world. <laughs> they don't know the inside voice. And we're, we're, we're looking at ourselves, and we're, we're having one of these family meetings between my wife and I, and we're like, something's wrong with us. Something's wrong with our parenting, and something is definitely wrong with our kids, Until you begin to hang out with other people with kids. (laughs) And your friend's kid is in Walmart flailing on the ground, manifesting a little demon for all the world to see. Screaming, kicking, saying things that they shouldn't. And I'm standing back watching that and I'm like, Lord, I'm actually kind of encouraged right now. (laughs) I'm encouraged by your storm that you're going through. Why am I encouraged? Because it's normal. It's normal. Every kid does that kind of stuff. And it's the illusion that we create before ourselves. It's the story that we've told ourselves. And listen, I'm just here to tell you this morning that life is going to be difficult. We are going to have to weather some storms. We are going to have to, leaving the shore over here to move where God wants us to go. Jesus wanted to get the disciples to the other side. There was something for them on the other side. But there was also something for them in between on the journey, and in fact, most of us spend the most of our time living in this land in between, living in the middle. Isaiah 43.2, when you pass through, bless you, the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers... They will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned and the flames will not set you ablaze. Not if, but when. When you go through troubled waters. When you feel like your marriage is drowning and you're not going to make it. You're not going to survive. When you're doing that, remember, I am with you and I'm bringing you through. You're not going to drown. You may feel like you're going to drown. That's okay to say, God, I feel like I'm going to drown. But God's response back to us is, I am with you in the midst of it and we're coming through. Your marriage is coming through. Your, your finances are coming through. You might not have your breakthrough yet in healing that you need in your body, but come on, God says, I am bringing you through to the other sides. Not if, but when. And all of a sudden you realize, wait a second, okay, then, then, then this is normal, the things that we're experiencing and the things that we're facing. But wherever you are, there is something powerful about the perspective you have in the midst of the storm in the midst of the problem, in the midst of the contradiction. See, the disciples were in their storm, and they were so caught up with the problem. They were so caught up with with, with the pain, with the difficulty. The wind and the waves had their attention, and the more they stared at the wind and the waves, the bigger it got. And, and, and And the story that they began to tell themselves began to grow and expand. Like, whatever we focus on, we give power to. And if you focus on the negative, the negative will get bigger. If you you focus on what you don't have, that will get bigger for you. But we get to choose in the midst of it what we focus on. Jesus is there in the boat, but they're so so not worried about Jesus, they're worried and concerned about the things that they're facing and the things that they're experiencing. A couple years ago, I took my family camping at this place in Idaho, Beaver Creek, and we love to camp and so we, we pull in and we're setting up the trailer and it's best for the kids to hop on bikes and just get like out of our way while we set up camp. And, um, and so they went off and they went exploring and they came back maybe 10 minutes later and they're like we found this fort and we're playing with these other kids and it's so awesome. Can we go back and just hang out with them? And I'm like yes please just go. Go play. And So about another 15 minutes uh, pass, and my kids come back, and they are frantic. They are screaming. You can't half tell if they're talking English or what language they're using. I mean, they are just crying. They're upset. I'm like, "What, what happened? And they're like, we went back to the fort, but the kids weren't there. And we were playing in the fort, and there was these three dads who saw us there, the dads of those kids, and they started yelling at us. And they're like, you kids, you kids, get over here right now. And they said, we freaked out. We didn't know what was up. And so we ran back to camp. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, no, you didn't. You're not going to talk to my kid like that, right? I mean, I came up here just to get s'mores, maybe see a bear, just hang out around the campfire. And I got other dads yelling at my kids. So I'm furious. I go to try and find these dads. Well, I don't find them anywhere. And I'm standing on the side of the road. And these three kids, the kids of the dads, drive by on their bikes. And I think I hear them say, let's go really, really fast. But as they go by, I realize what they said is, let's go get our dads. And I'm like, let's go get our dads. This is beginning to escalate really, really quickly. What do you mean you're going to go get your dads, right? Now, these, these are not just dads. These are dads from Idaho, <laughs> right? Like camo is their second language. You understand what I'm talking about? And these three dads, I mean, the music plays. These three dads emerge from the forest, and they're walking towards us. And I'm literally counting how many weapons are on each person as they're walking towards us. And they're just sending that vibe and that message, like, we are the dads that run the camp. We are the alpha males here. So I'm just standing there. There's this, like, this slow motion kind of stare off as they kind of walked by us. And I'm thinking, I'm going to die. I'm going to die right here and go and be with Jesus. But it just seemed like it was done, one and done, over. Okay? Rest of the day was great. Wake up the next morning building a fire, and all of a sudden, around the area where uh, I'm building the fire, rocks begin to hurl into our campground. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. It's the dads from Idaho there. I mean, rocks are coming from above the trees. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. They are launching rocks at us. Nobody can throw a rock that la- that high. They must, they've got to have a potato launcher. So I'm thinking to myself, they got a potato launcher, or they've got like a slingshot or something. they are, They have made war against us. I'm like, Heidi... Heidi, they have declared war. This is not, tell every kid to put their helmet on, like right now. And this is ridiculous. Like, and I'm just, I'm all stirred and I'm all frustrated and I'm upset. And, and Isaac and his friend go into the war zone. I'm like, boys, get out of there, get out of there. I said, rocks are falling from the sky. And Isaac goes in there and he goes, he bends over, he reaches down and he picks up, he says, Dad, they're not rocks. Look at it, it's a big, hard green pine cone. What do you mean it's not a rock? He goes, It's a pine cone, Dad. Come here. So I go in there and I look, and there's two mischievous little squirrels at the top of the trees (laughs) hurling little pine cones down at me. I was so focused on the dads from Idaho that I had fabricated and told myself a story that simply was not true, was not accurate. At all. I interpreted the facts based on what I was staring at and what I looked like and what I was looking at. And here's what I'm here to tell us this morning. Oftentimes, when we go through things, it's not always what it seems. It's not always what it seems. It just, it, it deter- it, it's a matter of what has your focus, what has your attention. And when we focus on the negative, the negative begins to be the story that we tell ourselves. We tell ourselves the story that I'm I'm just going to have to live with this sickness and live with this illness. I guess this must be the will of God for my life. And we begin to tell ourselves an internal and an external story based on what we've chosen to focus on. Remember when Moses took the 12 spies And he sent them into the promised land to go explore it. For 40 days, go go explore the land and then come back and bring a report. Ten people come back, and their report is this. uh, The cities are fortified. There are giants in the land. And we seemed like grasshoppers to them and grasshoppers in our own eyes. And they were full of fear and worry and concern. Absolutely, we should not go into the promised land. Based on what they had observed, based on what they were focused on, that was the story that they told themselves. But there are two other spies that experienced exactly the same things but focused on something entirely different. And they came back and they said the land does flow with milk and with honey and here is the abundance from the land that's here. Surely God is with us and we can go up and we can take possession of the lands. Same situation two totally different stories that were told. One was focused on the giants. One was focused on their own insecurity. One was focused on the fortified cities. The other was focused on God, and the other was focused on the fruit of the land. We get to choose our perspective that we have in the midst of the things that we go through. I wonder what internal story. Or external story, you're telling yourself about the things that you're facing in your life, that you're struggling with. Even sin issues, the things, the story we tell ourselves, that we, we talk ourselves into staying where we are instead of believing for the promise that God has for our life. I read a story about seven years ago. There was a couple in California and they owned a piece of property for about 10 years. And every day they would walk the dog and they would go out on this path and just kind of go through their acreage and explore it. And they'd done it for, for years and years. And on, on this day, just like every other day, they were out walking the dog. and But they noticed something on the path different. Something caught their eye and they looked and they saw a, a, a little piece of, of rusty metal that was in the dirt. And they thought, well, I'd never seen that before. And so they paused and, and they drew aside and, and they just began to kind of tug on it and it wouldn't come. And they began to dig a bit and dig a bit. Well, about a half an hour later, you'll see on the screen, they dug these three rusty tin cans up out of the dirt on their property. And it had 1,400 pieces of mint gold, solid gold coins from the early 1800s. Face value, $27,000. Modern value, $10 million. This couple, on that day, walked the same path that they had always walked. That $10 million was always there. They just didn't have eyes to see it. And on this day, something caught their eye. Something caught their attention. And they dug that up. And now let me ask you a question. Would that have changed their life? Would that have changed their financial situation? Would that have brought a few more people who suddenly wanted to be their friend? You see what I'm saying? I mean, $10 million that was right there. And here's what I want you to write down. Is that every problem or every circumstance has a treasure found in it. And while we are in the midst of our storm, saying, God, I just want to get to the other side. I just want my breakthrough. I just want my resolve. I just want my marriage to be where it's at. I just want my healing. I just want, I want that opportunity for, for, for ministry. I want to build that business. And I want my finances blessed. While we are wanting that, God is in agreement. He's like, I absolutely want to get you to the shore. But... There is something for you in the midst of your field that you have not yet seen that I want you to see, and I want you to get the treasure out of the field, and then we will get you out of the field. I want you to see what it is that I want to show you and do in you, and then we will get out of the circumstance. There is treasure found right where you are with the things that you're facing in your life right now the storm the wind the waves it feels out of control you're tempted to stress and to worry to be full of fear in the midst of that there is a rusty tin can of something that God has for us what would that be number one is in every circumstance in everything we go through God wants to be something significant for us. There is a fresh, new, stronger, greater, more expanded, more clear revelation of who God is to you that's found in the midst of what you're going through. God is not satisfied with the way that you see him and the way that you perceive him. God wants to upgrade your understanding and my understanding of who he is. And while we are screaming and kicking and want to get out from our storm, God is like, listen, I want to show you that I am the Prince of Peace. And I want, you, I want to introduce you to that. And I want you to enter into that place where you know me as the Prince of Peace. I want you to know me as your provider. I want you to know me as faithful. I want you to know me as the one who fights your battles, as your defender, as your judge. I want you to know me as your healer. There is nothing of greater worth in the kingdom of God than our understanding and our revelation of who God is. That $10 million totally changed those people's lives. But I am talking about something that is of greater worth than anything monetarily. We are talking about the revelation of who God is to us that everything in life hinges on. If we get God wrong, we see ourselves wrong, we see other people wrong, and we miss the whole concept. If we see God clearly, we begin to align ourselves with who he is and with who he has made us to be. And come on, we are all in a place where the, where the God who has no beginning and the God who has no end has an invitation for us to come into that place where he could show us more of who he is. How could Christianity ever be boring when every single day there is fresh revelation of God for us? So think about where you are. Think about what you're facing and ask yourself this question. God, what is it that you are wanting to be for me right where I'm at? And I haven't stopped and paused long enough to ask the question and consider that that might be part of the journey that I'm on. What is it that you want to be for me? Too many Christians simply walk around with a wallet-sized picture of God in their pocket. God is little. Problems are big. God is little, sickness is big. God is little, bank account is big. Big as in empty. Little gods, big problems. And I know it's church and most of us, we want to kick against that. We want to say, well, that's not me. Well, if that's honestly not you, then you would be the exception. Because for the the most of us, we battle through having a, a greater revelation of who God is than a greater revelation of our problem. It's easier. The wind and the waves can catch our attention so much. And they're oblivious at a certain point in the story to Jesus who was literally with them in the midst of it. I'm going through a fiery trial right now, man. Life is just so hard, and we be, we're telling our story, and we're telling our story to other people not realizing we're really just grumbling, and we're really complaining, and we're really being negative, and we're, we're, we're quite judgmental, and, and we're jaded, and we're hurt, and we're, 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 we're just telling our story. And the whole time, God's like, I want to show you more of who I am. I want to be big. What we focus on, we magnify. As we focus on Jesus in the midst of the storm, He becomes bigger—not bigger than He is. He doesn't change. He becomes bigger in our eyes. He becomes bigger in our understanding. Secondly, ever prayed the prayer, "God, just make me more like You." I just want to be more like You, Jesus. Just want to be—I read about You, and God, just just make me more like You. And and Lord, while You're at it, please let my wife be more like You, because that would make our Marriage would be better if she would also be more like you. Right? We pray that prayer. Lord, make me more like you. That the testing of your faith would produce perseverance. Tests need to come so that something springs up that we need called perseverance. So God wants us to go through tough things so that perseverance comes in. You don't need to persevere. Like the first five minutes on the treadmill, I don't need perseverance. I don't. It's after 20 minutes That I need perseverance because I want to quit. I want to pour gas on the thing and light it on fire and say, forget this. Right? The testing of your faith. Perseverance sets in. And here's the key. And it says, let let perseverance finish its work in you that you would be mature and complete, not lacking anything. God, I want to be mature. God, I want to be complete. God, I want to not lack anything. He's like, great. Then we're going to bring perseverance in the midst of really difficult things in your life. And we're going to teach you to grow in the midst of your circumstance to become more like me. Not just that we see God in a greater way, but we actually the treasure of becoming more like him. This is where the fruit of the Holy Spirit grows. In difficult circumstance. This is where we become more like Christ. This is where we, the, 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 like, like the disciples, the, the fear and the anxiety and the worry and the stress that comes out of them, the storm produced it out of them. Now it can be dealt with. Ever said that to somebody? You make me so angry. Mm, they really didn't. They really didn't. You were angry already, and they provided a really great opportunity for that to come out of you. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. When we get angry, when we get stressed, we want to blame the devil. We want to blame husbands and wives. We want to blame our circumstance, and there is nobody to blame. That's in us, and it just comes up out of us, and it's at that point that we have an opportunity to grow, to become more like Jesus, the fruit of of the Holy Spirit. We're like, but God, I just, I just want to get over here where, where I'm just being used by you, and you open doors for me, and I have your favor and your blessing on my business. This is, I just want to get to the other shore, and God's like, I want to get you there too. I just don't want you to be the same man that you are now when you get there. And in fact, they're connected. You need more humility. You need more honor. You need more patience and kindness so that you can do this really, really well. God can give us promotion like that overnight. That's not hard for God. Character growth (laughs) takes perseverance and takes a long time. Takes a long time to be able to grow up. In our life. So you take someone like like Joseph, who at the age of 17 has this glorious prophetic vision of his life, how God's gonna use him in a mighty way to be able to rescue and save his family and the nation. And then the next 13 years, it's like Joseph has left the shore and is in the boat. For 13 years, the majority of his story up till that point is spent in this zone in between. And this is where his brothers hate him, falsely accuse him sell him into slavery. This is where he's then elevated to Potiphar's house. He's used for a bit of time. Then he's falsely accused by Potiphar's wife uh, about making sexual advances against her. And then he gets thrown into prison and he spends the rest of his years in prison. And then, overnights, Joseph goes from prison, as you read the story, to second in command over the whole nation with Pharaoh. God literally took a man 13 years of something God was doing inside of him, and in one day he made it to the place of influence. But it's the dream within the dream. Joseph had his eye on the dream of just getting over here and the influence of what God wanted to do within his life. And that was part of the dream. But there was this other dream that God wanted him have eyes to see. And the dream within the dream is, Joseph, I want you to be different. I want you to be a humble leader. When you have that power and you have that influence, I don't want you to use that to be self-serving. I want you to use it out of love and grace and mercy for me. I want you to come out of this a different person. For example... Just think about, like, one of the fruits of the Spirit. For example, like, one that I seem to struggle with often would be patience. So well, where, where does patience grow? Well, I'll tell you where patience grows. Patience would grow on a Friday night at my kid's Hamblin Elementary Carnival. you've got 5,000 screaming, frantic children running around that have literally been fed sugar all night, and so they're losing their mind, screaming, freaking out, with all the little carnival games that they've got going on, and there is apparently no organization, no planning, no lines, and apparently also no air conditioning that's happening in the place. And and on top of that, every kid is given one of these these little things, and it sounds like this. Right? 5,000 kids. Right? And you're just like, I'm just here to support my kids and to support the school and have fun. And that's going on and on and on. And I'm like, I just want to rip it out of every kid's hand and tell them to, you know? (laughs) And in the midst of that, I'm not not kidding you, in the midst of that, as I'm prepping this message, I, I hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. He's like, hey, bro. Sometimes he talks like he's from California, right? Hey, bro, this is where patience grows. Shut up. Like, I've got that relationship with God. We talk like that with one another. I'm like, shut up. This is where patience grows. Absolutely. Like, this feels like hell on earth. But it's a great opportunity for me to grow in an area to become more like Jesus. That's where the fruit of the Spirit grows. See, it's all a matter of perspective. It's all a matter of what we focus on. It's all a matter of the story that we tell ourselves. You can be like, well, the devil's doing this in my life, and the devil's attacking me, and the devil, and even if it's all true, in the midst of that, there's a better view. You should be saying, but God is doing this, and God is doing that, and God is working this, and God is showing me this about himself, and God is doing this inside of me. You want to look at the giants, I'm going to look at God. Both both are absolutely correct. It's just which one are we going to choose to focus on? Which one do we begin to magnify? And life gets better when we focus on Jesus in the midst of our boat, when we focus on Jesus in the storm. By the end, the disciples who were like, do you even care? Do you even care that we're perishing? They're questioning God's love for them. Right? And we've all done the same. We get into situations. At a certain point, it doesn't shift. It doesn't change. You're like, do you even love me? It's okay to like, be honest about that. I do, I've said that a lot to God. Do you even love me? Do you even care? Because if you did, why have you not moved on my behalf? Why is this happening? By the end of the story, the disciples are like, they're, they're in awe. Who is this? They say that the wind and the waves obey him. What's happened? Is their picture and their view of Jesus has just been elevated? It's just been upgraded. Like I had a Mac computer, an old Mac Pro, uh, that a year ago it just every time I turn it on it would just give me that little rainbow spin wheel of death, right? Yeah. That also is producing patience inside of me as I want to kick and punch the screen, right? It's just spinning. I mean, it would take me hours just to check my my, my email. So finally. I uh, got approval from the church to be able to upgrade that and get a new computer. And I'm like, this is, I mean, I just open it up and turn it on. I'm like, I just feel like it died and went to heaven. This is amazing. This is so great. This is, this, what, what happened is I went from something that just, that, that was old and dated to something new and grand. And this is what God wants to do in our understanding of who he is in the midst of our circumstances, is he wants to upgrade our view and our picture of who he is. He wants to shift our eyes to what it is that he's wanting to move and work and do inside of us. Right where you are, it may be that part of your breakthrough hinges on you finding the $10 million worth of golds of what God wants to grow inside of you. Maybe when we see it, God's like, dude, let's get out of here. Like you you finally learned what I wanted you to learn. Israel never learned it. The Israel that left Egypt towards the promised land had the greatest miracles that any generation has ever seen. The audible voice of God, physical fire by night, cloud by night, cloud by day rather, parting of the Red Sea, miraculous bread from heaven. I mean of everything they experienced, although God did that for them, their view of God remains still the same, very small. And they griped and complained and whined and questioned God the whole time. It they, they wasn't like just at the beginning, does God even love us? And then God showed them. It's like through all of the different things that God did for them, at the end of it, they were still like, does God even care? Is he even real? I mean, I'm not even sure. And they missed the whole point of what God was trying to do inside of them. And so they died in the land in between and never saw the promised land. They literally never learned their lesson and therefore never left the promised land. And it causes me to say to myself, God, what is it you're trying to show me about yourself? What is it you're trying to show me about myself in the midst of here that what are the lessons you're trying to teach me? How are you trying to grow me so that I can find that as I continue to believe you to get me to the other side of where I'm going? And all of a sudden where you live begins to be a blessing. We don't get to choose what we go through, but we do get to choose how we go through it. You don't get to choose your storm. It's not like you wake up in the morning, and God's like, I've got five options for you today of trials and tribulations and difficulties and problems that can face. Your wife could just frantically annoy you all day long with her incessant desire to talk to you, and just, he lines out five different things for us, right? Choose option A, B, C, D, or E, go ahead, check the box, and away we go, Right? It's not like life doesn't work like that. We don't get to choose the storm. The storm chooses us. But I do have power and control in the midst of it. I get to choose how I go through it. I get to choose what I focus on. I get to choose what I learn. I get to choose what I'm going to take with me out of that season. And At the very beginning, he says these beautiful words to us. Consider it pure joy. Consider it pure joy when you're tested. Now that's a different perspective. Consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. When your faith is tested, consider it pure joy. Pure joy means to jump for joy. When trials come in many kinds, I want you to have a perspective that you're so elated, you're so full of joy, you're excited. I want you to choose that disposition when you go through it. My son, Justice, is like our just little giggle monster. The kid is always laughing, always giggling. And we are heading to school two years ago, heading down... Uh, White Road, we're, we live up on a ridge, and White Road takes us right down to Highway 195, and um, you only go down White Road uh, if the weather's good. Well, I just, I felt like the weather was good, it hadn't snowed, it had rained the night before, but I didn't realize that it was like 30 or 31 degrees. So we're coming down White Road in the minivan, whoop whoop for minivans, and four kids are in the van, and we crest the top of the hill, and are coming down this very steep grade, and I just touch the brakes, and I realize it is just a sheet of ice. Like not just a little bit of ice, it is skating rink style ice. And my minivan is completely out of control. I have no control. I'm pushing on the brake. I'm pumping the brake. And then eventually it just goes all hard, you know, and there's like really no brake left. And at that point, you're just a, you know, we are just a five-man bobsled just heading down the mountain. And um, we're gaining speed. And so I am freaking out because I know there is a corner that we are not going to make. There's absolutely no way. And so I'm plotting the course. I'm like, where am I going to just crash the vehicle? Uh, And I'm just bracing for impact, just thinking, what are we going to do? The airbag's going to go off. I'm praying out loud in in the Holy Ghost. My other three kids are quiet in the back because they know dad's totally stressed, learning patience. And Justice is in the back seat just laughing. (laughs) Just laughing and laughing and laughing. He's five years old at the time. He is just giggling and laughing. you think he's on an amusement ride. you think someone's tickling his feet. He is giggling the whole time in the back seat of the the van. You know, Psalm 2 says... About God, it says that God laughs at what the enemy conspires against us. The one enthroned above laughs at what the enemy plots against us. That's God's disposition. When we're going through stuff, he just has this deep belly laugh, this deep chuckle, because he's like, I know it's going to work out, because I work all things for good. I know they're going to be safe through this. I see the beginning and the end. They don't. And in the midst of this, they're going to get to know me much better. And in the midst of this, they're going to become more like me. And God is just laughing at the midst of the situation that we're going through. And when we realize that perspective, we can enter into that and count it all joy. Count it all joy when you go through trials of many kinds. Think about every Bible character we read about. So we read Joseph. That, we we use that example. This morning. We read Joseph, but we know his whole story. So when Joseph is sold into slavery, we know he's about to be raised up to Potiphar's house. We know promotion's coming. So we're like, dude, we're reading through it. Internally, we're like, don't be discouraged, bro. You are about to literally be raised up and used by God in a mighty way. And then when Potiphar's wife accuses him and he gets thrown into prison, we are jumping inside of ourselves while we're reading the story because we're like, dude, don't be discouraged. Don't give up because God's going to raise you to second in the nation. I know it doesn't feel like it. I know it doesn't look like it. But listen, I know the end of the story. You just can't see it. You're in the middle of it, right? We read their stories and we're like, come on, David, you're going to take down Goliath. Come on, Israel, you're going to. And we know the end. And it's like we're reading it championing the people's lives that we're reading about, right? We're like, come on, you got this. God is for you. It all works out. What I'm talking about this morning is stepping outside of your story and in the same way, encouraging yourself in the same way that you would somebody else. God is working all things for good. God has something that he's showing you. God has something that he is growing inside of you. This is not the end. This is just a momentary affliction that you're going to go through because God is with you in the midst of it. What we have that the world doesn't have is we have God in the midst of our problems. When people without Jesus go through stuff, They turn to booze. And I would too if I didn't have Jesus, right? Really bad day. How am I going to numb my pain? I'll just take enough shots of tequila to be able to deal with the pain. Why not? They're living without hope. They're just looking for something, something to medicate, something to cover it. They choose any number of things, right? To endure, to survive, to make it through life because they don't have hope in Jesus, they literally are without that. But we have God in the midst of what we're going through. And the unfortunate reality is spending as much time in ministry as I have, I know a lot of people inside of the church that actually have Jesus that still turn too much to the bottle rather than to Jesus in the midst of their problems. Rather than turn to him in prayer and seeking him and some fasting and petitioning him, it's just easier to drink six beers. And that's real. But we have God with us in the midst of what we're going through. I'm just here to encourage you today. Whatever you're facing, whatever you're experiencing, it's normal. It's normal. We're all somewhere. I got my stuff I'm dealing with. We're we're all somewhere. This last year, 2019, I filed my taxes in February. I just received my tax return two weeks ago from last year. Because the IRS lost a piece of paper, apparently, that I'd sent in with my tax return, and that money we needed a year ago to pay off debt, to pay off our septic system, and yet we had to wait an entire year, and we prayed, and we believed, and we fasted, and we stood on the word of God, but... The wind and the waves just continued to blow. It just seemed like nothing was going to change. But we had a decision to make in the midst of that. I can't change my circumstance, but I can change how I go through it. It's not worth losing peace or sleep over or any of that. I might as well just chill out, relax, do my part, and trust God to be able to bring the breakthrough. And eventually, it would work itself out. Who can add a single hour to his life by working? Wherever you are, whatever you're facing, God is with you. And God has treasure for you in the midst of it. God wants to be something significant for you. If you ask that question and you listen and you identify that, that is invaluable. And in the midst of it, God is also growing something inside of us. Somewhere where we become more like Jesus. And the longer we do it, the more we become like him. And we do it full of joy. And the world looks and they say, what is the reason for the joy that you have? We're like, well, let me tell you. Let me tell you about a Jesus that can change your life. So Harbor City Church, be encouraged. Be encouraged. The best is yet to come. The promises that God has spoken are absolutely true. Every single one of them. And God will do it. We measure time. God measures growth. While we are counting the hours, God is looking at growth. Don't be discouraged because of the time. Listen, the best is yet to come. The best days for your life, for your marriage, for your family, for this church, for America. Listen, we can listen to the corona. We can listen to the sex ed education stuff. We can look at the political arena. We can find all the stuff we want to focus on. Or as believers, we can focus on Jesus. We can focus on what God is doing in the earth through his church's people, and we can just walk in perspective with that. Not in fear, but knowing that God's with us. Would you close your eyes with me this morning? Lord, I pray for every single person in this room for a spirit of faith to come upon them in a fresh and a new way. A spirit of faith that would quicken and awaken inside of them. I pray that you would break off discouragement. God, that you would break off hope deferred that has made the heart sick. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that you would break that off, that weight and that heaviness. Lord, I pray for true joy to come in the midst of where people are at. Father, I pray for a spirit of wisdom and a spirit of revelation that we might know you and we might know you better. And God, we pray that you would move and work all things for good to every person in this room. God, we pray for breakthrough. We pray for resolve. We pray for miracles. And God, in the midst of it, we say our times are in your hands. Maybe you're here this morning and Jesus isn't on your boat. You're living life apart from a relationship with Jesus. And I just don't know how you're gonna continue to navigate through life. Jesus is true hope and true joy and true peace. And you were never meant to navigate life in your own power, and your own strength. You were never meant to carry the burden of your own sin, the shame and the condemnation of the wrong things that all of us have done. You were never meant to bear that yourself. It'll crush you. You were never meant to live hopeless. God wants to give somebody hope this morning and life this morning by, by saying yes to Jesus, by putting your faith and your trust in him. If you're in this place and you feel faith stirring in your heart to put your faith and your trust in Jesus, would you just lift your hands boldly right where you're at? I could know that you're here, thank you. Come on, thank you so much. Thank you. Just to yield your heart to Jesus and just say yes to him. And I know you do this every week, but I wanna lead us in a prayer of receiving Christ into our lives. And as a church, can we just, every single one of us this morning, just pray this together. And for those of you who are praying this for the first time or maybe a recommitment to Jesus, put, put your faith to these words. So pray with me. Jesus, I need you. And I want you. And I invite you to come into my life to be my God. I confess my sin. And I pray that you would forgive me and wash me and make me clean. I pray that you would fill me with your spirit. Jesus, this morning I say yes to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can we put our hands together for those that made that decision? Can you just stand to your feet with me this morning? As the team leads us, I think ministry team is going to come forward and As the team leads us, if you need prayer, if you just feel like you're going through some stuff and you need somebody to stand with you and pray with you, this ministry team's here. And just sometimes it's good to have somebody step into your field with you and just pray over you. Come on, God loves you. Amen.
1: You give life, you are love, you bring. stances today that he's great
2: All of a sudden, my knees starts swelling up like, like a bee sting, getting larger and larger. I don't know what I did. And it hasn't gotten a whole lot better. Last night, I'm lying in bed, and I told Lois, it sure be weird if I lost my leg. I mean, you can just get things so blown up. And I'm sitting there thinking, I'm not going to be able to walk on. And she looks at me, where is your mind? Where is your focus? I said, well, who knows? There's something wrong. This morning, I got up and I'm fairly decent. I'm just saying you can get your focus on. This morning, if you need prayer, do it. Get your focus back where it needs to be because the devil can get us so out of whack that it it just can get. I have my leg today. Thank God for that. All right, come on. let's, Let's worship one more time. Let's pray. To Christ, your next steps are get baptized in water and then get involved in the Fresh Start classes so you can get a foundation for your your new Christian life. Get involved and equip, find out God's mission for your life. I believe God's going to do great things in all of us. We're going to leave here today with a spirit of faith. We're not going to get taken down by the coronavirus, but we're going to believe God's going to use us to take His message. A lost world, all right? So, Father, we just pray right now you will take every person here, put your word within us. May we leave you with a spirit of faith, get our focus in the right place, knowing that our God is bigger than any situation we face. We give you praise, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Let's give the Lord a big hand. Okay to Smith, enjoy the sunshine. Have a great day.
1: See you next Sunday.